All right. We're a friendly church, aren't we? So uh, our senior pastor, Daryl, is uh, he's out of town uh, today and um, next week as well, actually. So um, I'm delivering the message today. I'm excited to do so. And next week we'll uh, have another... Uh, We'll have Casey, who will be delivering the message next week, so definitely show up for that. If you've been here when he, when he delivered the message before, a few months ago, I think uh, it was just really, really timely, really good, so I'm, I'm excited about that, too. But um, uh, a few weeks ago, Daryl started uh, a series titled Journey with Jesus. Let's see. Uh-oh. My clicker not working? Oh, I think it was that thing that I unplugged earlier. I think that needs to be plugged in for it to work. <laughs> All right. Anyway, there's a slide that says Journey with Jesus. So anyway, but um, <laughs> hey, what do you know? <laughs> um, so, uh, so, so yeah, he started this series. This is, uh, it's based off of a series that Andy Stanley, um, pastor of a church in Atlanta, right? Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, uh, he, he did this series, uh, and didn't call it Journey with Jesus, called it something else, but uh, uh, it's based off of that series, and I'm continuing that today. Uh, the title of my message is Fish Tricks, which is another slide uh, on there. And um, Fish Tricks is the, is, is, is the title of my message. And if you've ever heard this message, or if you ever go and listen to it um, by Andy Stanley, you, you, you might notice that there's going to be a bit of plagiarism today, but it's not really plagiarism if I tell you that, right? So, so I think we're good, but I still, I'm, I'm, st- I'm still in a lot from it. Uh, just really made s- some good points that I was like, man, I, I couldn't communicate that any better, so I'm just going to use the same word. So you'll find, you'll, you'll, you'll find that a little bit if you've ever heard it. It might sound familiar, or if you go and listen to it later, you'll be like, oh, I remember that. Uh, Daniel preached that, but uh, anyway, so um, should be good. But when you read the Gospels, it's so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there, there are some things, there are a few things that are abundantly clear. Let's see. Is my, aha! One of them is that being a sinner doesn't disqualify you from following Jesus. Many people think it does. They're like, you know what? I'm just too messed up right now. I'll come to Jesus once I get some things together, once I improve my life, then, then I'll come to Jesus. But getting your life together is not a prerequisite for following Jesus. In fact, I would say that being a sinner is a prerequisite to following Jesus. That's where we all start, right? So if you're waiting to get your life together before you start following Jesus, you have things backwards. It goes the other way around. Jesus helps us get our life together. The second thing that's very clear in the Gospels is that being an unbeliever, should have made that font bigger, my apologies. Being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify you from following Jesus. In fact, if you look at the disciples, uh, you'll see that they followed Jesus, they believed in Jesus, then, then he was arrested and killed, and they sort of unbelieved for a little bit. And then he rose again, and then their belief in him became much more solid. So you can begin taking those first few steps to following Jesus 
before you even completely believe in him. So you might be sitting here, you might be saying, you know what? I'm just not completely sure about this Jesus. I'm intrigued by him. He said some very interesting things, uh, but I'm, I'm just not convinced yet. Great, you're in the right place. Glad you're here today. So keep, keep coming, keep, you know, keep reading, uh, reading about him, reading the Bible. And just take one step at a time. You know what, you're not ready to give your whole life to him? Fine. Just give him a little bit. Say, okay, I'll give you some time. I'll, I'll keep taking a step. I believe with all of my heart that as you do that, eventually he's going to reveal your, himself to you in such a way that you're going to be like, okay, Lord, here's my life. But if you're not ready for that, great, take a step at a time. That's okay. You are able to begin following Jesus regardless of what you believe about him or what you've done in your life. In fact, uh, Jesus' first century followers were a very interesting mix. He had small business owners. He had some IRS agents. right? He had um, patriots, men, women, blue-collar workers, white-collar workers, educated people, not-so-educated people, all that were following him. Interesting side note about that um, uh, is, is that uh, there are many people today who actually try to discredit Christianity by stating that all of Jesus' followers were uneducated, and so there's no way that they could have written the books in the Bible, and that's actually, that's simply not true. Uh, there were actually many of Jesus' followers were educated. In fact, there were scribes who, uh, uh, who followed Jesus, and, and they were some of the most educated uh, men of that time, so... Um, Interesting little side note there for you. The past few weeks, Daryl's talked around the, the beginning of Jesus' ministry. The first part. A couple weeks ago, we talked about Jesus getting baptized by John the Baptist. And then last week, he, he talked through Jesus going into the wilderness for 40 days and, and uh, being, being tempted by the devil. And uh, so from there, right after this time in the wilderness, right after being tempted... We see in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. See, so we, we see here, people are starting to know about Jesus. They're starting to talk about him. He's starting to become a bit popular, if you will. And as we move forward in this chapter, we see a few things. We see Jesus begin, in his ministry, begin to heal the sick. He begins to, to cast out demons. He even at one point heals Peter, who, Peter who, who, who was one of his disciples. He heals his mother-in-law. So we move down in this chapter to verse 40. It says, At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. And this really, right here, this really sets the stage for what happens next. There's actually two accounts in the Bible of what happens next. There's one in Matthew, and there's one in Luke. And it's interesting, neither of these accounts contradict each other in, in any way, really, but, but Luke definitely gives a lot more details. Matthew, if you look at the account of Matthew, it's really kind of abrupt, kind of like, a little, can, can leave you a little bit confused if you really think about it. It's like, well, wait, what just happened exactly? 
And there's, there's actually a reason for that. If you, if you look at the two books, the book of Matthew and the book of Luke, the book of Matthew was written for a Jewish audience. And so as you're reading through, there's actually a lot of uh, places in there where uh, he kind of skips some details. He assumes that the reader knows because typically he wrote it for a Jewish reader. Uh, uh, and so that they, because they were Jewish, they knew, uh, they just knew certain things that you or I may not know. Whereas Luke, he was writing for a non-Jewish audience. So he gives a lot more detail, which can be very, very helpful for you and I. So let's real quick, I just want to look at Matthew's account first. It's in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. It says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, they were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Okay, so let's, let's, let's kind of take a look at this for just a second. All right, so, so, so we have Jesus, right? And he sees Peter and Andrew fishing, and he simply says, hey, come follow me. And what do they do? They just drop everything and follow him a little bit further. Hey, look, there's, uh, there's uh, James and John, and they, he says the same thing. Hey, come follow me. And they get up, and they leave their father. They're like, hey, hey, dad, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna head out here. Um, you have fun with the family fishing business. I know you've been relying on us, but this random guy right here just told us to come follow us, so we're, 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 we're going to go. We're going to go. In some sense, if you, as you read this, it seems a little bit unrealistic, right? Almost even seems a bit irresponsible that they would just get up and leave everything, leave their father to go follow this guy who just told them, come follow me. I mean, have you ever read the Bible and actually put yourself in that scenario? I think too often when we're reading the Bible, we just kind of put on this religious persona. We don't put ourselves in this situation. It's like all of a sudden reading the Bible, we're like a different person than when we read any other book. It's like, Stop and take a minute. Put yourself in the situation. This is weird. This is strange. It's a bit confusing if you really think about it. So with that being said, let's take a look at the account in Luke. Hopefully this will shed a little bit more light on this. In Luke chapter 5, verse 1, it says, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Okay, so let's stop here. Let me just make a really quick point right here. So Jesus is, people are, well, people are standing around Jesus and he's teaching them. He's teaching from the word. He's, he, he's, he's reading the word. He's teaching them. He's telling them about it. Faith begins with information. Christianity is an informed faith. So let me encourage you, if you are ever in a situation where people are saying, hey, don't, don't question that. Oh, don't ask those questions. That, 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 those questions are taboo. Oh, nope. No, we don't ask those questions. We don't think about that. Let's push that aside. <laughs> you got to get out. <laughs> let's, let's deal with the hard questions. Right? I mean, there are some tough questions in this world. There's some tough questions from the Bible. 
I don't think we should shy away from those. Let's ask those hard questions. We don't have to be intimidated by hard questions. See, my experience is that when we get flustered by people's questions, when we get flustered when people question their faith or question our faith, uh, if that makes us mad, the reason is that we're insecure in our faith. Questioning should be a normal part of faith. That's okay. Let's ask the hard questions. See, following Jesus does not begin with belief. When John the Baptist pointed to Jesus, he didn't say, believe. No, he said, look. He said, look, the Lamb of God who takes on the sin of the world. He said, look first. And that's why it's crucial that we understand that believing in Jesus isn't a prerequisite to following. And believing's going to come. You start following Jesus one step at a time, believing's going to come. But let's not rush the process that God's doing in somebody. Moving on, verse 2, it says, He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. Okay? All right, so it's... uh, if you know anything about, about fishing, the, the, the fishermen who did that for a living, they would do it in, at night. So probably at this point, if they're washing their nets, it's like mid-morning, okay? It's, it's, it's mid-morning, they're washing their nets, they've been, they've been fishing all night long, uh, no intention of going out again. They've, they've done their work for the night. And then in verse 3, it says, He got into one of the boats, Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Okay, see, here we go, Luke providing the details. So, so what was happening is, is we have these people that are, that are listening to Jesus, and they're crowding him. They kind of keep pushing forward, Jesus backing up, backing up, to the point where, uh-oh, I'm going to fall off into the water if I keep backing up. Hey, Peter, I'm going to get in your boat, push out a little bit from shore, and I'll teach from the boat. That's, it. That's what's happening right here, okay? And so it's interesting here. We see that Peter is listening. He's there with Jesus the whole time, kind of multitasking probably, cleaning his nets, but he's there the whole time. And, and actually, if you look further down in the passage, uh, down in verse 10, you'll see that um, uh, Andrew was also there, and so were James, James and John. So the ones that Jesus went and said, hey, follow me, and that Matthew, they're here the whole time listening to Jesus. Now, in this next verse, Jesus makes an unusual request to Peter. Now, I want you to notice, as I read this next verse, I want you to notice that what Jesus asks Peter to do is something that he is very capable of doing. He didn't ask him to do something he, he couldn't do in his own strength. He, he asked him to do something that he's very, very capable of doing. He didn't go straight to, hey, Peter, drop everything and follow me. He gives him a baby step. So in verse 4, it says, When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. See? Pretty simple request. Peter's a fisherman going out into deep water and letting down the nets for a cast. Um, That's, you know, something pretty easy that Peter's more than capable of doing, except for the fact that he'd already cleaned his nets. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were in this situation, I, I might find this very annoying. It's like, you couldn't have asked me to do this before I cleaned my nets? 
Maybe, you know, if you'd asked me this a couple hours ago, I'd be like, okay, fine, I'll go back out. But, but, but now you're asking, I just cleaned my nets and it's, hey, go let the nets out for a catch. It's like, or if you knew that you were going to ask me that, why don't you just say, hey, don't, yeah. don't clean your nets? I'd be a bit annoyed right now, wouldn't you? It's like that person who, you're on a road trip, you drive, you go past an exit, and, uh, and, and then the person who's sitting in the back with earbuds, not paying attention, all of a sudden, like a minute or two later, is like, hey, uh, can we find a restroom? It's like, we just passed the exit. We've got another hour to the next one. Sorry, you're going to have to wait. You should have told me five minutes ago. Now, I, I love this next verse. Let's, let's unpack it. I'm just going to unpack it just a little bit at a time. It's in verse 5. So, so Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night. He's like, okay, look, Jesus, we're exhausted. We've been working hard all night. We have to rewash our nets. Have you, have you ever even cleaned fishing nets before? Do you know what's involved? And, and you're asking me to go back out again? So we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Look, Jesus, nighttime is, is when you're supposed to fish, and that's what we've been doing. I mean, I mean, you're a carpenter. What do you really even know about fishing? I mean, plus, people are watching. You're about to make me look like a fool. Come on. But because you say so. After all, you did heal my mother-in-law. I think I'm supposed to be grateful for that. Uh, I don't know, but... Uh, Look, this makes no sense. It's going to cost me. I'm going to lose time. I'm going to lose money. I'm going to lose reputation because people are going to see me go out here mid-morning when you're not supposed to fish. All of this is going to happen, but because you say so, I owe you this, I'll do it. I will let down my nets. Now, this is a very crucial moment right here, and I don't think, in fact, I think it's pretty clear that Peter didn't realize the gravity of the situation that he found himself in right here. As far as he's concerned, this is an annoying, exhausting situation he's found himself in. Nothing of eternal consequence. Nothing that people 2,000 years later are going to be talking about. But imagine if he'd reacted differently. Imagine if, if he'd said, Master, we've worked hard all night, haven't caught anything, you're a carpenter, I'm a fisherman, just stick to being a carpenter. I'm, going to, I'm not going to dirty my nets for this ridiculous request. If he'd made that decision instead, if that's what he'd said, and who could have blamed him, right? I mean, who could have really blamed him? We wouldn't even know his name. He would just be another fisherman from 2,000 years ago that nobody knows of today. The truth is, we never know what hangs in the balance of our decisions. Now, we might have some idea when we're making like these major, big life decisions, like we might have some idea of, okay, there's, you know, this is a big deal. I've got, you know, I really need to think this through. I really need to pray about it. Um, you know, we might have some idea with those, but what about just the next step of obedience? God tells you to do something that doesn't make sense, taking that next step. We don't know what hangs in the balance for those decisions. Moving on in verse 6. When they had done so. I want you to notice something about this language here. It, it says when they had done it. It doesn't say when they believed. It doesn't say when they declared it over their life. 
It says it happened when they had done it, when they took action. They caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled with boats so full that they began to sink. And then in verse 8, it says, When Simon Peter saw this, he cried out, We are rich. We don't have to work for weeks. Immediately, Peter offered Jesus a seven-year contract, 30% ownership of the company, with a seven-year non-compete upon termination of the contract by either party. Right? Oh, 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 I didn't skip to the next slide. I'm sorry. Some of you are really confused right now. No, that's, uh, it's not a weird version I'm reading. That's not really there. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, what it says, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. Notice that, Lord. It's the first time he calls him that, Lord. The word Lord means someone who has power, authority, or influence a master or a ruler. Right there, Peter is giving Jesus authority over himself. He's giving him that title of power and authority. But why does he tell him there, why does he say, go away from me, Lord? The next statement that he says, I am a sinful man. See, the the religious leaders of that day operated under the assumption that God separated himself from sinners. If you read through the Gospels, you'll see that the religious leaders were always shocked when Jesus spent time with, with, with sinners, with like prostitutes and tax collectors. They were shocked because they never would have done so themselves. They wouldn't have gone anywhere near them. But Jesus came to reverse that. Jesus came to show that God wanted a relationship with man. That God would come to the sinner when the sinner couldn't come to him. That's amazing. If you really think about that, that is amazing. Verse 9, For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. He's like, Peter, don't be afraid. Now now that you've seen that I can heal, that I can influence nature, you have nothing to fear. From now on, it's like he's got this, this big grin. It's like he's saying, I've got big plans for you. You have absolutely no idea. From now on, you will fish for people. Come on, let's go change the world together. That's what Jesus is telling him. So they pulled their boats up on the shore. So they pulled their boats up on the shore and they left everything. They left everything they knew. Fishing, that's all they knew, right? They left it all. They would live with nothing. They would die with nothing, including regret. And they followed him. Now, sometimes I think it's easy for us to look at a passage like this and and we look at a story like this and we say, well, sure, I'd follow Jesus if he did something like that for me. I saw a miracle, 
Yeah, I'd follow him in a second. If he provided monetarily like that for me, yeah, you better believe I'd, I'd, I'd give him my life. I'd follow him. If he did this for me, if he did that for me, I, I need to see something. If he did something for me, then I would follow him. And I believe if Peter were here, I think he would look at us and he'd say, seriously? Jesus did a fish trick. And I followed him. He did a fish trick for me. And I followed him. Do you know what he did for you? I wrote you a letter about it in the Bible. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23, it says, When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. Peter were here, he'd be like, Have you ever seen crucifixion, how brutal it is? I have. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins. Instead of being dead or separated from God, Jesus made it so that we were dead and separated from the power of sin. And live for righteousness. Because of Jesus, we now have the power to live lives that reflect the righteousness, goodness, the selflessness of God. By his wounds, you have been healed. You've been made right with God. You don't have to be separated from him. He surrendered to the cross. Who would do that? No mere mortal would surrender to, that, to the brutalness of the cross. And you're talking about fish tricks? <laughs> That's nothing. Follow Jesus. See, when Peter's simple act of trust intersected with Jesus' faithfulness, everything changed. Let me say that one more time. When, G- when Peter's simple act of trust intersected with Jesus' faithfulness, everything changed. Take small steps. Let me tell you a little something about me. I, I, I like to think big. I don't have small vision for my life. I don't have small vision for this church. I, I think big. I have, I have big vision for, for myself. I have big vision for this church. And I, I, I do believe that that's something that God's put in me. But I will say this, it's the small steps that get you to the big vision. It's the small steps that change the world. It's the humility that will clean a toilet and run a vacuum when nobody is watching that will change the world. But God, you've called me to bigger things than this. That's right, maybe so. But right now, I'm asking you to clean this toilet. It's teaching kids upstairs or changing a poopy diaper in the nursery. God, you've called me to preach the gospel to thousands of people. Maybe so. Well, right now, change this diaper. Be faithful to the kids. It's being a greeter in the foyer, making people feel welcome. But God, I had bigger vision than this. Great. Be obedient right now with what I've put in your hands. Be obedient with the small things. Can I have the worship team come forward?
In just a minute, I'm going to take the offering. Ushers, uh, get ready, but, but hold on one second. I want to say something before, before we actually pass those bags, so be ready, but give me just a minute. Um, we're going to take this up, and, and, and I encourage you to put your Connect cards. For one, on those Connect cards, there's some opportunities to take some next steps. Maybe you're thinking, God's called me to, this, to, to, some, to some big things. I don't want to just do... I don't, I, don't, I don't want to teach in kids' church. You know what? There's a need. Maybe what God's telling you right now is there's a need. Maybe this isn't what, what uh, your gifting is, if you will. But check that box to go to that teacher's meeting next week because I'm asking you to be faithful. Or maybe as we pass this offering, maybe God's telling you, you know what? Be faithful with your finances. Be generous. So I encourage you to be obedient to, 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 to Jesus. Lord, I pray blessing over this offering. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's just go ahead and pass the bags. For, oh, hold up, hold up. Sorry, I'm not, 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 not ready just yet. <laughs> <laughs> as, as the, the bags are being passed, I just want to encourage you in your next step. For some of you, your next step may be to find a place to serve in the church. As I was just talking about, maybe it's Kiss Church, maybe it's uh, greeting. I don't know. Come talk to me after the service. If that's you, if you're like, you know what? My next step is to serve somewhere. Come talk to me. I'll, I'll connect you in the right place. Maybe for, for some of you, your next step is to get involved in a midweek connect group. You need that community. Coming here for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning, uh, it's supposed to be encouraging. It's, there's community that happens here, but you know what? It's, it's, it's getting involved with a smaller group that, the, the, who, pe- with people who are going to challenge you and encourage you. That's where community really happens. So come talk to me. If that's you, I'd be happy to point you uh, to, to a leader. Be obedient. For some of you, maybe your next step is to commit to moral purity. For others of you, maybe it's to reconcile with somebody you've been harboring resentment towards. Whatever your next step is, be obedient. Follow Jesus. Okay, let's worship, guys.